Good evening, TJ Cosgrove. How are you? I am very well, Mr. Shirtland, and I am very well indeed. Uh, feeling a little bit recovered from busy time and work, so it's nice to just breathe and enjoy a nice evening chatting with a good friend about very interesting topics. As ever. How is the, um, how do you say this in American? Oh, how is the fall in, uh, in Northern Ireland? Is it going well? The Fall. Okay, so The Fall is a TV show that was filmed here, so that's uh, all layers of confusing. Um, okay. I think I was referring to the season. Autumn. Autumn, yes. <laughs> the, Autumn. the autumnal period. Uh, it's uh, cold. It's not terribly wet at the minute, which is good. It's grey. It's dark. Uh, it's uh, full of fallen debris uh, in the form of uh, tree leaves. It's all quite picturesque. It looks good. But... Um, yeah, we're we're getting a wee bit of a cold uh, rack at the minute, so every morning I have to go out and it's not de-icing the car. And I know, don't don't at me if you live in Chicago or Germany or something and you actually have to go out and clear snow. I don't have to do that. I'm moaning because it's four degrees, not minus 12, but still, it's a small inconvenience. But uh, it does make for some pretty mornings when you're driving into work or getting on the train. Excellent. Very nice. What about you? Oh, uh, we're having uh, we're having a sort of rethink on summer. Summer's come back just for a little while. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, a little uh, yeah, reunion tour, just a few more. Yeah, gigs. I was. I had to go into town today, and it was uh, we, so we were down on the on the seafront uh, in Limassol, um, and it was twenty nine degrees centigrade. It's about uh, <laughs> eighty five, I think, in in Fahrenheit. It's too many. Uh, yeah. Yeah, lots of Russian folk in the sea having a great time. Uh, I, I imagine that the sea is still quite warm because it sort of mm. retains the heat as it goes into the winter. It's, uh, yeah, that thermal load thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's lovely. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm looking forward to playing some golf at the weekend and, you know, working on my tan and hopefully my handicap. All is all is fine in the world when the sun is shining, CJ. Mm. Very good. I'll let you know when ours comes back. Uh, well, it, the thing is, when your weather starts getting unseasonably good, that's when mine tends to get unseasonably bad. I just come over it's here. A, it's a kind of zero something. <laughs> no one wins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. What are you writing with and on? So today I had a meeting uh, in work and I busted out the trusty Blackwing slate with the Blackwing 602. This is a gift from yourself. I think you've actually given me more than one. Uh, but this one has been my go-to meeting book because it looks... It's like the the sleek black leatherette kind of look to it. It looks good in meetings. It's got loads of pages in it, so it doesn't it need to be like changed out or anything. So I, I've got it going for a year and a bit now. Um, it looks great, works well, and the the six or two. It's an old six or two actually. It's um, it's the old style one before they changed the eraser over to the pink one. So I don't think I have any new six or twos actually, but this one is obviously came with the book. Uh, and it's down, getting towards alarmingly Steinbeck stage. Uh, so it's almost for the chop. Ah, right you are then. Well, it's a nice combo though. I mean, Blackwing mm. and Blackwing should work pretty well, you would hope. Yeah, no, it's it's a nice combo. And it looks well in meetings too, even though that's not what we should be optimizing for. But it does matter a bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. Whether we like it or not, it does. <laughs> um, well, I'm still in the same notebook, although I have to say... I am coming towards the end of it now. Um, and I was I was getting a little bit concerned. I was thinking, well, why is it taking me so long? And it's because it's Tamari River. Uh, oh, so, so it's Bible pages? 
Yeah, to to make the notebook a decent size, they, they have to put a lot of pages in there. Um, so it wasn't me just being lax; it was the fact there's small pages to fill. Um, but because it's uh, Tamari River, it's a it's a glacier. It's a limited edition that we're now out of stock actually um, by Pebble. Uh, because it's that, I'm using big fancy fountain pens. So um, I've just busted out uh, one of my old favourites, which is a Custom Eight Twenty Three, um, the Pilot. Um, it's a sort of brown demonstrator. Uh, that, the Custom Eight Twenty Three is a great pen. Um, I've got it filled with an Aquamarine by uh, Edelstein, which is the posh word for Pelican. Uh, big broad nib. It's absolutely lovely. And uh, I appreciate mm. that you disappeared for a little while there, but yeah, you missed nothing, <laughs> TJ. There was pen chat, so it's it, yeah. the effect is largely the same because you talk about nibs and broadswords and uh, gloss and all this other stuff, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it, uh-huh. It's, it's unusual for you to hang up, but, I, you know, I can work with it. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, um, that was a small IT glitch. We're having a good, a good slew of IT glitches at the minute, aren't we? Oh, no, let's let's not go down there again uh, before everybody gets another 25 minutes of my Apple talk. Um, let's just put it this way. I'll not talk about it anymore, but we're back to Google Docs for this episode on show notes, so I'll say no more. That is, in fact, the title, isn't it? Number 90, however many this is, back to 93. Google Docs. Yeah, yeah, I've made, I've made it 93 because we recorded uh, an evergreen and called it 93, which has caused, caused me immense confusion. Uh, so oh I, yeah. I just just went away and and went detail ah, fix no. it in post. <laughs> You'll, uh, sort of that. That old <laughs> battle cry. Uh what about watching and listening? You watching and listening anything good? I'm still listening to my uh oh, giant audiobook Follow Dodge in Hell by Neil Stevenson, which is um it's basically an allegorical tale uh, centered around Dante's Inferno, but for the digital age. It's really good, it's really long, it's really Neil Stevenson. Um I'm really enjoying it. It's fantastic, but it's one of those books that I keep having to take breaks from because I'll listen to six unadulterated hours of it and I'm like, I'm no closer to the end of this thing. Like, it just keeps going. And that's not a criticism. It's just his style of writing. He is a Tomoe River writer. You know, it just, it goes on and on and on. And that's great when you're in the mood for it. But every now and again, I'm like, I just want to change up a wee bit. So I'm kind of listening to the audiobook for maybe two or three days in a row and then jumping into a few podcasts to keep current. And then going back to the audiobook. So that's my kind of go-to. Yeah, that's how I listen to um, to audiobooks. I can't... Um, I can immerse myself in a book better than I can in a, an audiobook. I don't know why that might be, but uh, it, it, is, it is so. So I listen to some podcasts and then maybe, you know, an hour of the book or half an hour of the book, depending on, you know, what's going on. Um, and I find it keeps, it keeps me more balanced. I think it's uh, the hands. I think whenever you read, you're using your hands, and so it engages you more. Whereas if what, I need to be doing something when I'm listening to an audiobook, or else I won't listen to it. So I need to be uh-huh. traveling, or I need to be writing, or I need, you know something that engages me but is not difficult. Whereas with a book, it it needs everything. Like you sure. need to be doing, <laughs> you need to be moving your hands, you need to be reading with your eyes, you need to be thinking about it, um, and it's more an engaging experience than say an audiobook which can be passive um, but saying that reminds me of a story a very short tangent uh, from when I was in university and I bought a really cheap road bike in fact I've been given bits of a road bike and then I built it into like a so very very thin tires 
uh, the drop handlebars, that kind of thing. And this mm-hmm. is what I rode to university and back. Our house was about a mile maybe from the campus. It was really close. And I used to ride it down the hill, across the way, and it, just, it was a bit faster than walking. And I remember going to the library on campus one time and getting a book. And I was like, oh, I don't have a bag with me today. And so I was cycling back. And it wasn't far and it wasn't particularly difficult terrain and it wasn't a busy road either. And I remember having this book in my hand and I was like, this would be really funny if I just opened this. Because I kind of had it on the, I was holding the handlebars and then kind of clutching the book as well. So the book was mm-hmm. almost in a, on a table kind of uh, uh, sort of set up as I was riding. And I thought, I'm going fast enough here that I don't actually need to hold the handlebars. Once you get up to a certain speed, the, the front wheel kind of just guides you. Um, so I thought, oh, just for a goof, just see. And so, <laughs> trust me to do it uh, as a car was coming the other way. And so I <laughs> was cycling along because I didn't expect anyone to see me. I was just doing this for my own uh, interest and um, basically had no hands on the handlebars, holding a book, reading it while cycling up the road and another car comes the other way and the guy's going, what in the hell is happening over there? It's a, um, it's a merchant ivory moment. <laughs> yeah. Hello, my name's Hugo. I'm on my way to Oxford. I'm reading my book on philosophy. So I did that. And that was like very much challenging death to a duel. You know, that is not something I wouldn't do that now. Um, And I didn't fall and I was totally fine. And then about a week later on the same bike, on the same stretch of road, I was uh, coming around a corner and it was sort of autumnal time. It was the fall. And I hit one of those very ever present brown squidgy leaves and the little thin, tiny, tiny road racing tires of the bike just went, no, just not going to be vertical anymore. And the whole bike came out from under me and I basically took the skin from my shin up to just below my thigh off, uh, which was less than pleasant. I can imagine that sounds very unpleasant. But I didn't do that when I was reading. So the reading story is completely separate and totally legitimate. Uh, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll let you off on that. <laughs> I know, but yeah. Uh, Watching? Have you been watching anything? Or Yeah, I've been watching the IT Crowd again, which is a fantastic series. Have you ever seen it? I have. I've seen a few a few episodes. I never really got into following it, but um, yeah, it does make me chortle when I see it. <laughs> it's one of those ones that if you are in IT or IT adjacent, there are elements in there that are a little too close to home. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's why it's funny. We're laughing, but it's really a sad moment inside. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in there that I'm going, yep, yep. See that all the time. I quoted it today to someone and they knew what I was talking about. The other people didn't. So it was one of those lovely moments of like, you said something and it could go as just a random comment that didn't really have a lot of, a lot of context to the conversation. But if the person gets the reference, they're, you're both going to go, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's great. I think we've accidentally watched three, four seasons of it because we just put it on every now and again and they're only like 20 odd minutes. And so you just blaze through them. Excellent. Well, I have been watching uh, his dark materials. Um, mm. Have you heard of that? It's um, uh, remind me what the characters' names are because I read several books when I was a kid, and I can't. I keep mixing them up. Um, it's a Philip Pullman trilogy, um, right. and it the lead character is a girl at the moment. I assume she becomes a woman at some point called Lyra. Yes, I did read these. And she has like a little demon pet thing. Uh, well, <laughs> I believe it's actually your soul, TJ. But yes, a demon pet what? thing. Yeah, it's all the same. So- <laughs> <laughs> to um, be fair, I read this book at least 15 years ago. So um, yes, I did read. I read several of these actually. 
Um, yeah, there's three of them. But yeah. again, it's been a long time. Well, the BBC um, There's a couple more a... set in that universe. Oh, are there? Okay. Uh, the, the BBC's made, a, I think, an eight-parter, uh, which I think covers the trilogy, but I, uh, I may be wrong. It may, may just be the first book. I don't know. Um, and yeah, I watched the first part uh, on sort of normal TV, uh, almost at the time it was supposed to be on. I think we watched it on Catch-Up. Uh, and <laughs> Margaret, who is, uh, yeah, fantasy, magic, sci-fi... Nah, that just doesn't get it. Um, <laughs> showing Margaret uh, fantasy is like, it's like showing a kid a landscape. Just doesn't work. So, no idea what you're talking about. Um, I can see the tree, but what's the point? Yeah. So, yeah well, look at the colours of the sky. Sky coloured. Um, <laughs> Margaret's a bit like that with fantasies. It's like, so um, those, those uh, animal things. Yeah, it's a representation of the soul. It's an alternate universe. Now, I knew that because it said so in the subtitles that came up before the actual action started. Um, So I didn't think I was being particularly contentious. And she looked at me as if I was speaking Greek. Um, And yeah, very quickly lost interest in the whole thing. But I I, on the other hand thought it was great. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the next one. Uh, But, you know, I'm into that sort of stuff, I suppose. Um... And I, my usual diet of podcasts, I'm now flying through podcasts, um, mm. partially because I now, I've sort of reverted back to type and um, I listen to podcasts when I go for my walk in the morning, which is what I used to do when I was walking to work in England. Um, so I take I take Spicy out for I don't know, about an hour in the mornings now. Uh, and that'll see off, you know, one long podcast or a couple of short ones. Um, and that's then, good. Yeah, it's nice time was, as well to, to sort of mm, on your own to, to just get through stuff. Yeah, and it's it's gorgeous. And, and I think because they're podcasts that are sort of serial in nature, you know, I I, I kind of know what's coming. Um, yeah. I think part part of my brain sort of just goes off and starts doing its day planning without really telling the rest of me. Um, I, I think it's quite quite productive in a weird sort of way. Um, so yeah, loads and loads of podcasts. Um, are keeping up with the, the Economist is throwing, I don't know, it feels like about five a day at me. I'm sure it isn't. Uh, and I'm still listening to the Daily uh, from the New Yorker, uh, which is clearly full of all sorts of impeachment or impeachment adjacent stories at the moment. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, it's, all, it's all good fun. And I'm uh, I'm listening to a book as well, uh, which I may have mentioned before, Homo Sapiens by. Don't say this after a pint of scotch. Uh, Yuval Noah Harari, um, uh, which is, you know, it's called Homo Sapiens. It's about Homo Sapiens. Um, very, very broad scope for a book. And he's got this great talent of writing theories uh, in the manner of facts. So mm. it's only when I'm sort of uh, mulling over what I've heard a little bit later, I go, oh, hang on. That's that the sort of leap from A to X is quite large there. That <laughs> maybe some other places it could have gone. Um, but, you know, he's, he's sort of he's pulling together a narrative of the entire history of the human race. Um, and I suppose inevitably that certain amount of his own prejudice comes through in that but uh nevertheless it's uh it's a really really well written book so mm. 
good to get the brain going. Good to get the brain going. What about reading? Are you reading anything with your eyes? Uh, yeah, I had a little bit of time on the train that I decided I didn't want to listen. And so I fired up my phone and opened up the Kindle app and read more of Jürgen, which is James Branch Cabell's book that I talked mm-hmm. about. It's uh, Jürgen, A Comedy of Justice. Uh, just a kind of weird... It's it oddly like the Neil Stevenson book. It's kind of like that Dante's Inferno kind of uh, very old school literature, but not quite. I mean, it was written in the 30s, so it's not really Dante, but it is a similar writing style, I suppose. It's quite good, and I'm enjoying it. There's a lot of little um, literary uh, backflips. You think, oh, that was a nice piece of prose. That worked well, or that was a really interesting way to say that. And, you know, in the vein of that quote that I gave you about... um, what do you call them? Not pickpockets. Pawnbrokers. Pawnbrokers, yeah. <laughs> that great quote about them. It kind of gives you the these little interesting tidbits. And so the story is very rambling, but the actual literary prose is very interesting. We're doing well here. One time we should just we should just record independently. And then <laughs> Leave leave little edit gaps between sections. What we could do is we could have an episode that is you record five writing on and with, five listening and watching, five reading, five drinking, five parish notices, and I'll do the same. And then we'll write a little script that basically recombinates those randomly to mm. give us 25 different episodes. And then we just bloop, let that be fired out to the internet willy-nilly. Fantastic. I, I think we're onto something there. Look at that. We've we've hacked podcasting. <laughs> yeah, just a buzzword every 15 seconds and the episodes are dropped down to four minutes. Absolutely. Here we go. Let's get the rating up. Productivity. There we go. The ratings are up. Um, <laughs> EDC. EDC. Oh, oh, you said it twice now. Good <laughs> Lord. Twice is twice better. Absolutely. Anyway. Well, where were we getting to? I was talking about Jürgen. Uh, oh, you were? Yeah. good. Uh, before we were rudely interrupted. And I think you were going to tell me about drinking. Yeah, well, um, I was... Oh, no, you're um, going to tell me about reading first. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I've been reading as well. Um, I told you last week I was reading The Letters from a Stoic uh, by Seneca mm-hmm. um, on the basis that you kept telling me about it. I thought, I must go and read that. Um, and th- they're very pleasant in that they're quite short. Um, pretty <laughs> Bayek didn't he write a lot of letters? Um and I'm not. I mean, there wasn't sure. a whole lot to do. He didn't have Netflix. That's true, I suppose. Um, and I'm not sure that it would really serve to just sort of read them one after the other. I think you need to mull on them a little for them to yeah. uh, to mean much. So, uh, as a sort of counterpoint to that, I'm reading. I suppose what in literary terms might be the opposite. I'm reading a Lee Child. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, all about Jack Reacher. So the latest Jack Reacher novel if you haven't read any of those do they're fantastic they're brilliantly written um and don't be put off by the um the tv adaptations which um they weren't tv they were movies i think but um you know i've got nothing against tom cruise he's a lovely fellow um a little bit worried about some of his religious ideas and he is a shade on the short side which i'm not shortest or sizest many many welsh friends However, the character Jack Reacher is six foot five. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I'm six foot two, and me playing him would be a stretch. Literally. <laughs> well, he said we are. But that's why when the movie started, I immediately knew that the executive producer was going to be Tom Cruise. Because only a really short man would pick himself to play a really tall man. <laughs> and re- regrettable though it is, I just couldn't get it out of my head um, that I was supposed to be looking at this six foot five made of muscle ex-military policeman um, being being played by Tom Cruise, who, you know, was, was very, very macho about the whole thing and, and beat lots of people up and it was all very exciting. But um, the books are really good. They are... Um, they're fairly predictable. You know what's going to happen. Um, you might say that the plots are very similar from one to the next, but um, I've got to say they're, they're brilliant. He's a sort of, I swear he's a sort of rambling do-gooder, good Samaritan fellow. Just he's very good at fighting and beating people up as well. Which is- it's kind of the the desperado cowboy thing, but a modern take. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I say it's well written. It's action packed. You. You really don't want to put the book down. It's great. Uh, so now I've been enjoying that. And then, yes, drinking. Now let's get to the serious stuff now, drinking. Um, well, as will become apparent later, uh, we are a little bit rushed this evening on, on sort of getting into our blocks. We've had the odd technical glitch just to, to make things a little more fun. Uh, and we're now back onto show notes that quite literally, I think I was amending the show notes of episode 17 yeah to 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 make (laughs) the show notes for episode 93 so uh they were a little bit out of date and i've recently uh again sort of reorganized and tidied up my home office uh or sorry uh, studio uh, as we say when we're podcasting and um i've tidied up the bottle opener somewhere (laughs) oh no uh, which is, is not usually a mistake I would make. Uh, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. I even considered cracking open some beer on new bits of furniture. Oh, dear. Um, you know, just just sort of lever the top against the, the desk and then bang down on it. Um, like a but, savage. Uh, exactly. And I'm not sure that Ikea furniture was made for that. I, I have a feeling <laughs> I might end up with a big gouge and a bottle looking at me going, is that the best you've got, big boy? Uh, so I'm forced, therefore, to drink spirits. Well, um, yes. Yes, indeed. There's there's a justification you don't hear that often. Um, <laughs> and uh, for this evening, I'm, I'm having actually a Johnny Walker Black. So uh, some decent scotch, uh, or decent blended scotch at least, um, on ice, because it's still quite warm here. What about you? What are you drinking? Oh, excuse me. As I yawn on the podcast, excellent podcasting etiquette. Um... I am drinking nothing so exciting. I have a bottle of whiskey behind me. I have a bottle of tin cup in my Mm -hmm. office slash studio that I could bust out, but it's a school night, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, But I am drinking water, and when I'm not drinking water, I'm drinking a little bit of Pepsi Max. When I'm not drinking that, I'm drinking a little bit of espresso. So it's it's kind of the the old the old three, the trifecta. It's not really deviated much from that. Um, I'm trying to drink more water and less of the other two. Uh, coffee's fine. I don't drink too much coffee anymore. Um, I'd maybe I'm down to basically a cup a day if even. Um, so it's not too bad. Uh, I definitely think about three o'clock I want a second one, but it's sometimes too much hassle to bother, so I end up not having it. But Pepsi Max I drink too much of, so I'm trying to 
scale that pack a wee bit. You couldn't check that there isn't a large spacecraft hovering over Belfast <laughs> that's having some sort of Eating dramatic impact upon, on the internet. I don't know what's happening. Mine seems to be fine. But again, I'm, I'm, you I'm looking at mine. I've got, yeah, I've got ex- full signals everywhere. It's all looking hunky-dory for me here. Uh, Wi-Fi woes. The woes of Wi-Fi. Well, there's another episode title. Should we need one? So you were you're about to tell me, or you, you maybe did tell me, um, you're drinking something not very exciting. Oh, you didn't get any of that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, H2O and Pepsi Max. Nothing terribly oh. exciting. It's, it's, it's either water or it's coffee or it's Pepsi Max. And I drink too much Pepsi Max, so I'm trying to drink more water. Very good. Yeah, it's not good for you. That's a, what is it, aspartame or something? That's the yeah, it doesn't stuff. matter what it is. It's not natural. It's it's literally chemicals. I mean, people eat and drink chemicals all the time, but you should probably drink fewer of them if you can. And, uh, indeed, that's why I um, I drink spirits. Obviously, it kills all known uh, germs. <laughs> that's dead. medicinal. Yeah, absolutely. Domestus. Mm-hmm, well, I've got you know, I'm I'm willing to have a go. Um, <laughs> Okay, then parish notices. What is going on in the world of TJ Cosgrove? So we'll probably touch on this again in the uh, actual topic, but I rang a plumber for the first time in my life today, but I didn't ring a plumber in a normal way. Uh, I used an app, which was interesting, but I'll talk about more of that in the the actual topic. But um, it was uh, a small leak in our shower, on our ensuite. And it's it's kind of been there since we moved in. It's one of those ones that the shower was garbage. Did I tell you the story about the, the goldfish in our shower? I don't think you did, no. I can't believe it. Def- maybe, it, no, I don't know. Anyway, when we moved in, uh, the shower wasn't very good. It continues to not be very good to this day. But we knew we were going to change it after the wedding. We'll put a new shower in, uh, do the ensuite up a bit. The, the toilet and the sink are absolutely fine. It's literally just the shower is a bit rubbish and the radiator is a bit rubbish. And the rest of the house is largely fine, all the fixtures and fittings. So that was on our list to do. We knew about it. Um, and one day the shower was really not working terribly well and flooding uh, the tray at the bottom. And then the the, the shower was broken and the tray were broken independently, mm. but it was, it was compiling into a bigger problem. So I fixed the shower by turning off the electric, taking off the lid, and with my dad basically going through systematically, finding what bits were broken Mm-hmm. and either taking things away or fixing bits. So it now works largely fine as long as you don't press one button. So there's one button that's missing. That button is just a hole into the inner workings that I've sort of waterproofed and, and covered over because the button wasn't there when we got the, the shower. Just what, It was a hole instead of a button. The other button is the, the button that changes it so that it runs really, really low pressure. Mm-hmm. So you never press that button. So there's one button you can press in the shower and that is on and off. It's the same button. My sort of shower. You press, yeah. If you press anything else, it immediately becomes untenable. It's just a horribly low powered. So that's good. That's a fantastic feature. But, you know, as well as this, the shower tray was filling up really, really fast. Wasn't draining properly. That was, I was like, right, okay. There's there's something in the shower trap. It's crap. I'll fix it. It's going to be gross, but that's fine. And so got a plunger and started plunging and that was fine. And the normal sort of detritus and hair and all that stuff came mm-hmm. on. That's fine. We got covered of that. was fine. And then I found a little blue stone. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Like, like I'm talking small, you know, no bigger than the top of a pencil. A little mm-hmm. blue stone. That's very strange. 
Okay, yeah, put it to the side and kept kept plunging it. And a little pink stone, same size. Mm-hmm. Okay, set that to the side. And again, oh, a yellow and a pink and a, a couple of, it's quite a few of these wee stones. And so kept plunging the shower until I realized that there was an entire fish tank poured down the shower. Uh, stones, fish and all, presumably, <laughs> at some point in the past. And so the shower trap, which is a U-bend, uh, was just completely full to the brim of tiny aquarium stones. Ah, uh, okay. Well, at least it's a solution. <laughs> Poor fish. Hopefully the fish went down before rather than after. I dare say you might smell it if it didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a very bad introduction to the shower. Um, so, yeah, that has been the sort of what, we're been, what we've been working with since we moved in. So it's been about a year now. And because uh, we've been in our house a year on the 2nd of November. That was another Good milestone Lord. we passed. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, it's been on my list to do. And every now and again, if you stand in the wrong place near the shower trap, which is where the plug hole is, there's a very small leak in the kitchen downstairs. And you can only see it because the wall gets a wee bit damp and the, the ceiling, there's a wee bit of a watermark. And it's it looks really small. Now, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but it happened once. And then I did a few bits and pieces and fixed it. And that was fine. It went away for months and months and months. And then it happened again. And I thought, mm, okay, need to watch this. And then it happened again yesterday or the day before. I thought, mm, okay, this is, it's not quite a pattern yet because it's its random intervals and it, it, maybe it's because you stood in the wrong place. Maybe it's because you, you took too long a shower or something, but either way, I'm not happy with it. So I rang a plumber and basically said, look, this whole shower is going in the bin. It is terrible. I want none of it, but I want to keep it for another couple of months and then I'll do the job properly. Can you come and have a look and if you can fix it or stop it leaking and maybe make sure there's no scary damage underneath, that would be fantastic. Uh, Because I don't want to have half the house collapse while I'm waiting to put a new Uh bathroom in. So that was why I called a plumber. Hello? Well, fancy meeting you here. (laughs) So I, I finished my plumber story. Is there anything parishing in your notices? Parishing in my notices? Uh, well... Uh, the the never ending saga of the lights upon the runway. Um, <laughs> we had um, with the contractors from Hell, who we may come back to. Um, we had them while they were putting up fences and doing all of their their stuff. They put in some, admittedly very flimsy sort of lights, um, uh, sort of black plastic that I think would be okay on a flat, but my runway or what the driveway, um, is on a slope. And so the bits that are supposed to sort of balance on each other don't, and so they were just sort of flopping all over the place. It wasn't a great look. <laughs> um, yeah. And one of our neighbours, uh, who, um, you know, we occasionally sort of uh, quiz with and golf with and that sort of stuff, said, ah, it's okay, I'll, I'll give you a hand with that. And, and he, he used to fix helicopters. So you know, pretty pretty competent sort of chap. Quite handy. <laughs> yeah, so um, I went off and bought some sturdier looking lights, uh, which I think were probably from the exact same factory, but these were the double price ones, and so they just had a bit more weight to them. Uh, and they came with um, the most astonishing bolts. 
I mean, I'm no DIY guy, but when I meet a bolt that is about two inches long and about half an inch wide, wow! I go, wow, that's a that's a proper bolt. I mean, Titanic sized. Yeah, I mean, my my drill looked at that and went, yeah, I'm not getting involved <laughs> no, with that you. sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, fortunately, uh, my my buddy there, he, he had the requisite thing. I don't know what it was, some sort of jackhammer or something. We um, SDS drill or something. But they were much bigger than the original holes. So uh, there was some re-drilling that went on. And then uh, I suppose about six or seven weeks later, the lights just kept tripping the whole electrics. So I would switch on the outdoor lights uh, on the runway and about 10 minutes later, the house would be plunged into darkness. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, okay. That's not great, is it? Um, but we happen to have something else going on uh, with a, a, a contractor, if we're going to use that phrase, who was coming to um, to fix stuff for us. So I sort of mentioned to him, I said, oh, could you have a look at this for me? Um, and he did, and he, we identified the problem. Uh, it was, you know, from one of these lights to one of the others, so that's where the issue was. Uh, we're going to replace that cable. And the cable actually went through. Um, they'd put it through a, 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 a tube. So it wasn't just sort of laying under the concrete. We didn't have to destroy the driveway. There was a, a channel built in, a pass-through. Uh, so it was quite an easy oh, job yeah, to replace the cable. Uh, except for the fact that, um, as was explained to me in a mix of sort of uh, Moldovan, English and Greek... Uh, they'd they'd put uh, in a bend in the tube. They'd, they'd got a little bit too tough with it, so it was a sort of ninety degree bend, which can be a bit difficult when you're trying to push a cable through. Um, <laughs> and and the other thing was that we then identified what had caused the faulty cable was, in fact, my my mate, the helicopter engineer, and his uh, infeasibly large bolt had oh no <laughs> pretty much gone <laughs> through through the channel and halfway through the cable. Uh, so that, that cable was just sort of shorting itself out. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't drill through cables. That's yeah, DIY uh, one. And once we once we'd added a bit of rain to the equation, uh, that's what mm. was was shorting the house out. So uh, he fixed that, and uh, yeah, fair play to him; it all works beautifully. And uh, he's uh, we'll we'll talk about this guy. Um, we're we're going to call him Yanni. His name's not Yanni, but I can't pronounce his real name, and neither can anybody else in Cyprus. So he's known as Yanni. Um, we'll talk about him, but he's, he's got a refreshingly old-fashioned approach to work. Um, uh, he's done that, and do you remember those fluorescent lights, the ones that uh, tried to kill me up in the kitchen? Yep. Thing yep. in the past, TJ. Ah, go on. Very good. Did you go for some nice LED fluorescent replacements? Uh, no, they are um, <laughs> LED spotlights. Um, very good. Uh, big ones. So they're about the size of a I suppose a side plate, um, and they they eat. There's six of them in the kitchen. They sit into a one of the sort of false ceiling panels. Uh, clearly, I had nothing to do with this other than giving <laughs> giving people money. Um, Please make this a thing. Yeah, uh, but no, he he was doing that today, and then uh, once again the house was plunged into darkness. And uh, one of those classic moments that everybody looks at everyone else. And I said, well, I'm sitting here on my iPhone, mate. It wasn't me, honest. And he said, well, I, this my cables aren't live. It can't be me. And we, we have a cable running through that ceiling 
that is uh, connected to the monitor for the gate. So there's a camera mm. on, on the gate. Um, I said, well, that runs great. He said, well, I only moved it. So the, there was this whole, mm, moving that cable makes everything blow. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. And then, then I looked at what he was doing and I was going, Yanni, your, your connector there is lying on the false ceiling frame. And he went, yeah. And I went, well, that's metal. Went, oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, so there was some some reworking of uh, electrical tape, uh, as I'm sure your story probably included loads and loads of gaffer tape. Um, oh, yeah. But we, we got a little bit of gaffer tape out and made sure everything was connected where it should be and blah, blah, blah. When I say we, again, he, um, although I did point the torch, which I think oh, is... Uh, works. No, that's apprentice-level stuff, that is. <laughs> um, and so that now all works perfectly. Uh, oh, very the, good. the room is bathed in light. The current Mrs. Len is delighted with life. Uh, all is good. So I've got a, I've got a suggestion uh, for you, and this and is for the your final office. One, the final one. I actually did something. I know you're going to find that difficult to believe. But uh, <laughs> I cle- cleaned rust off some tools. So um, with the house, uh, I inherited a boiler room jam-packed full of Bits and pieces. Uh, a socket set. Uh, a spanner set. Probably three or four of each sets. Mm. So I I literally, if you, if you, you know, when you come over, TJ, I, I can present you with a bag of spanners. Um, <laughs> that is my hope everywhere I go. <laughs> there you are. So um, I, I was looking at them and I'm trying to work out how to bring some sort of order because... Um, it has been decreed that sorting out downstairs uh, is is my domain, and I don't just mean your office. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, I sort of pulled together what we had, and I, I think it was about 90 pieces of sockets and, oh, wow. um, and spanners, and I thought, it's oh, a lot of rust. And I looked at the little iron brush and thought, that looks like really hard work. Um, so to YouTube I went... Uh, and uh, some some industrial standard vinegar was bought and poured into a bucket uh, with a load of uh, spanners and sockets uh, left overnight. And I have to say, they come out pretty clean. They come out a little bit thinner than they were as well because I think, <laughs> I think the vinegar just a wasting. Sort of, yeah, yeah, just just sort of starts uh, taking taking the metal down a bit. Uh, but then you give them mm. a bit of a scrub, a bit of a rinse, and. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say they're perfect, and they certainly smell a bit odd, but uh, <laughs> they're okay now. They're they're living in a bag that doesn't sort of growl at me as I go past it. So that's that to me is DIY. I mean, that's about as far as I go. Oh, very good. Just while you were talking about um, lights, uh, I was fitting some lights today in uh, one of the rooms in work, and we were playing around with these. There's a new toy we were playing with. I think you might like them, but it's straying into smart home technology, so I don't mm-hmm. know what your appetite is for this. Um, so have a look at Nano Leaf Canvas. Good Lord. I shall have to write that down. Yeah, I'm writing it in show notes, so if you want to see it yourself, it'll be there. N-A-N-O-L-E-A-F uh, Canvas. I think that's and, the name of it. And um, what does Nano Leaf Canvas do when it's at home? So a Nanoleaf canvas, Nanoleaf are little uh, light panels. They make sort of triangular ones, but the canvas is the square version of that. So imagine uh, about 
let me see, six inches square uh, and about, I don't know, three mil thick, four mil thick, little light panel. And it has a bunch of little connectors in the back and you basically stick them on the wall, connect them all together with these wee like patch cable flat things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's an app. You get, you love a good app. Um, oh, yeah. There's an app that will help you design what your thing is in the wall because you can put squares in any orientation you want. You can, you know, pixels or draw things or whatever. So you do that and you put them on the wall. And then they're individually addressable as squares, but also you can have them react to sound. You can have them react to your screen that they might be near. You can have them, uh, you know, bop and bounce to the music you're playing. All kinds of crazy fun stuff. But they look amazing. Uh, they are not cheap, but they are very, very cool. And um, just when you were talking about lights and you want something to, you know, spruce up the old office and give you something fun to play with, then uh, Nano Leaf might be something to look into. Yeah, definitely. It sounds fun. Um, I say it could probably work about one in, one time in ten out here, but hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be, it'll work once and then you'll be like, that was lovely. Now I'll just put it away because that's all I'm getting. Well, I say if it's attached to the wall, it'll probably stay there for the rest of history. Um <laughs> I'm 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 currently actually looking of the I, again I think we've probably covered this but my office was a carport so mm-hmm. next to me is the remaining carport and both of these uh, at some point were painted uh I've done some youtubing on this I'm still not 100% certain but something wasn't done properly so the paint is flaking mm-hmm. um and again I, I, I look onto YouTube and it doesn't come up with clever ways of fixing it. You have to do loads of work. Well, um, no, you could just pay someone to do all the work and then that's a clever, that's a life hack right there. Well, that's true. But um, step uh, one, it, find a, a plucky contractor. Yeah. Step com- two, competent done. painter decorator. But <laughs> yeah, you have to strip it all back and then put these preparations on to make sure the plaster will accept paint. Oh my God, I was exhausted just just watching the video that was enough to i know to put it off yeah, to next week oh terrible thing um so yeah i'm uh, that's my next project is to sort of paint all the walls and i'm thinking i might uh put some colors in here as well because it's all a bit white at the moment mm. so i might have a little so there's, feature a great, there's a great uh, youtube tutorial on how to do this by uh, the man himself rowan atkinson um some people might say it's a mr bean sketch but don't listen to them so he uh, basically takes his paint can, he puts a couple of fireworks into it, and then leaves the room. And it, it gloriously yeah. paints the entire room white. So I'll put that in the show notes. That's an amazing uh, 1990s, maybe late 80s uh, comedy sketch. Uh, but certainly the fastest way to paint a room. Yeah, I, I thought there might be something in there, TJ. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say to my sorry, TJ said it's fine. He said it was fine to put the fireworks in the paint and then just blow up that yeah 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 that, that's his address yeah oh see ya. <laughs> see when you <laughs> you're going to do what <laughs> anyway look I think it's probably time to say goodbye to Dave anyway Dave's been with us now forty five minutes Dave you've got a lot of work to do mm-hmm. mate thanks for coming along um, and uh, well hello Meg uh, hey uh, Meg Meg's probably got a real interest in tonight's topic hasn't she because we are uh, talking about what are we talking about TJ. Well, tonight's topic is something that is near and dear, and we've we've touched on it. It's something we've been dealing with personally. It's quite uh, timely for both of us, and it's contracting contractors or hiring tradespeople. But that doesn't sound that's not alliterative and isn't fun. So, contracting contractors is better. 
Um, because we are, you know, I, I haven't quite hired a plumber yet, but I, I'm, I suppose we're in the dating stages of hiring a plumber. You know, we've, we've, I used an app to find a plumber. It's like Tinder for plumbers, I suppose. Um, and he seems to know what he's doing. And I had a chat with him today and said, like, this is what we have. This is what we want. Um, and he said, yep. Okay. Uh, I should be able to swing by tomorrow. Is that okay? I'm like, okay. Yeah, let's do that. So we're, you know, we're in the stages of getting a, a problem seen to, but I am 28 years old and this is the first time I have ever called a plumber because when I lived at home, that was, I was at home. My parents did that. That was not something I had to do. When I was in university, I was in halls. So that was not my problem. And then we moved into a landlord at house where it's not my problem. And then we moved into rented accommodation where it's not my problem. And so I rang my landlord and they presumably, you know, some sort of chain of command rang various uh, plumbers or gas electricians and all that kind of stuff. But I've never myself just go to the yellow pages and flip through it and go, oh, let me find someone who who plums. I went onto the web, the internet and went, plumbers in my area, <laughs> hot plumbers in your area and <laughs> single plumbers in your, and went on it. <laughs> <laughs> and and find there was a slew of websites and I went on to one that seemed legitimate and went, okay, this is what I need. And you give like a little bio of what your 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 need is or what your problem is. So mine was there's a leak in the shower trap and I know vaguely what it is and I know vaguely where it is. I'm not smart enough to know how to fix it, but I'm just smart enough to tell you where it is. So it's like, that's the problem. Hello. And then basically what it does is take that little job and fires it out to anyone who's local with decent feedback and decent reviews. And then they go, oh, yeah, that sounds like something I can do. Or, no, nah, too busy, can't do that. And it was a very, it felt like a very modern way of doing it. Because, you know, I've I've spoken to people, contractors and things like that. And when we were buying the house, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, we had guys coming out doing um, surveys and things like that. So it's not the first time I've ever called someone and said, I need you to do this service for me. But... It's always been a wee bit archaic. You're like, hello, I don't know how this works, but I want that. And they're like, oh, well, we've got to talk about this for six weeks before we can do anything. This felt a little bit more 21st century where I go, this is what I need. If you need more information, come back to me. But otherwise, like, that's what I want. Go. And, you know, using the internet, using the platform that the websites and stuff can give you, instead of it being 1994, everybody has a phone book and you, you ring the number and ask for Dave. No, indeed, and who knows? It may it may still leave lead to love, um, a, a marriage for years. <laughs> I mean. oh, one can only help. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I'd, I'd love to say that we've got that here. We don't. I suppose we're we're probably still eighties or nineties here. So mm. the, um, the we got some contractors whose work I'm less than happy with. Um, and they came from uh, Facebook, I think. Um, I think Margaret was chatting to some people sort of on the local area Facebook page group thing, whatever it might be. Um, and somebody chimed in. We'll call it, you know, Super Duper Home Services. Um, chimed in and said, oh, yeah, we, we've got people that can do that for you. Um, so we were already in the sort of world of of interlocutors uh, and they came and they were awful um and then 
I've got a guy doing some things at the moment that came from the, oh, well, you know, so-and-so. Well, her sister's boyfriend's best mate has got a dog who hangs out with a dog of a guy who's brilliant at this sort of stuff. Um, and he knows his friend who's also pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so um, you go through that whole weird dance that I suppose the app to a certain extent sort of takes away where you meet and you start discussing the problem and you, you don't want to say too much because you want to see what the other side identifies. Yeah. You don't want to lead too much because you don't want them to sort of just reflect what you're saying. Um, and it is a weird, it's funny, this. it is a weird sort of courtship as you're going, <laughs> okay, so, you know. And, you know, that thing there, could you, you know, w- what would you suggest you would do about that? And, you know, I, I'm clearly at this point, I've got a notebook in my hand. And um, pe- people, are, oh dear, you had to do that, didn't you? I had to hear your keyboard and <laughs> watch the text come up at the same time. I just had to change the title of the episode from contracting contractors to tender for plumbers because it's so much better. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but my first uh, and I think best witticisms about Tinder for plumbers uh, all happened at a time that the microphone wasn't recording. So those those one-liners will be lost forever. Um, but yeah, no, I was, it, it is. We were talking. Uh, we had lunch down in, in Limassol today, um, and the the restaurant that we go to is owned by a Cypriot who's probably more New Yorker than Cypriot. So he worked, uh, lived and worked in New York, had a family there. Um, All of his kids are there, and I think he's got five of them. Um, And the kids would be in there, I suppose, anywhere from the late teens through to the mid-twenties now. Um, And he was talking to us about um, the impact of Airbnbs. I don't know, somehow we got into talking about it. Um, because it's having an increasing sort of uh, impact on the existing market. I mean, it's a, it's a disruptive technology, I, I guess, a bit like your mm, Tinder absolutely. for plumbers. Um, <laughs> and it's, on, in theory, I think it's a great idea. And if you've seen the advertising for it, um, the advertising is always enough to make Margaret terrified um, because... Uh, if you see the TV ads, there are sort of families turn up and they're staying in an Airbnb and, you know, making their own cakes and throwing flour all over the place. And, and <laughs> Margaret's inner cleaner is going, what are you doing? What are you, no, 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 else no, 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 no. throwing flour everywhere. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but of course, the impact on, on the hotel industry and the B&B industry is enormous. Um, and I suppose... I mean, the way to look at it would be if you were living in an apartment and the one upstairs was let out to people on Airbnb and, you know, they were having wild parties till five o'clock in the morning, uh, inviting around lots and lots of prostitutes, taking lots of drugs. I mean, you'd be pretty alarmed. And how this stuff is covered is really difficult. Well, fancy meeting you here. <laughs> just do that every time. I was just having a chat with my friend TJ about uh, Airbnb. I got up to uh, throwing flour at each other. 
Indeed. And I sort of continued from there. And, and then, then the phone rang. I was cut off in my prime. So with this plumber of yours, is he now engaged? Is he now... Sorry, engaged is the wrong term. Is he now going to be fixing your shower? So the way it works is he said it, it moves from a very digital process to a very analog one very quickly. So you kind of, they facilitate you finding someone who is appropriate. And then after that, it's kind of back to normal where you go, he rings you or they ring you and you ring them, vice versa. And so it, it became a very typical well, he gave me a phone call. I was in a meeting, didn't get it. Rang him back this morning, had a chat, explained what it was. He was lovely, very, very helpful, knew what he was talking about. And it was like, look, I've got two jobs and you're in the middle of them tomorrow. Uh, do you want me to call in and have a look? And we can go from there. We can see, because I, I explained, we want to do the whole shower again. We want to do it properly, but now is not the time to do it. You know, we want something to make sure we're not going to keep damaging whatever's happening there. But we're not into a full redecoration re-renovation here we just want to stop it from getting worse and then we will next year sort it out properly and so he was very good in that he said yep that's totally fair um and that kind of scales his expectations i don't want him coming out thinking he's getting a whole bathroom mm-hmm. renovation job and then i go great stick a bit of caulk on that and we'll call it a day thanks sure. very much so i want him to be aware that i want a quick fix i want it cheap and cheerful to make sure nothing's going wrong and then you know if, you're, if your work's good, then there's no reason why I won't give you the call in six months and say, look, hello, I need yeah, a shower. of course. So, you know, that's, and that's very old school. That's like, oh, I worked with you before you were good, I'll work with you again. That's, you know, the way it was done for the rest of time, essentially. Um, but it's it's really interesting to me the way things are changing and, and the different industries that are being, in your word, disrupted, you know, this is something that's largely been quite static and I think um, it's introducing technology to an industry where there wasn't a lot for a long, long time. And there, there, I'm sure there's loads of business, or sorry, like building technology and new things that they're using in uh, building and contracting and plumbing and I'm completely oblivious to most of it so please uh, forgive my ignorance there. But in terms of like digital tools and marketing funnels and all these ways of getting at customers, this is all relatively new I think for specifically like a plumber or a builder or a contractor of some sort. And so it's this weird thing where everything's becoming a service. You know, every, like I wrote down in the show notes, uh, there's PAS, SAS and XAS. So that's platform as a service. So that's the plumber app, the services. And I didn't pay anything, but presumably there's you know, tiered levels or marketing. There's some, someone's getting paid somewhere. So the service is I can find a plumber who's good. But the platform, the facilities, that's the service. So the platform is a service. Then you have things like software as a service. That's Adobe. You know, you get, you want your uh, Illustrator, you want your Photoshop, you want all that stuff. You pay a monthly fee and you can get it for as long as a month. Not as long as you like, but as long as a month, then you pay us again. Um, so that's kind of flipping the idea that you're not buying software. You're renting licenses mm-hmm. to it. And that's, if, a lot of things are going that direction. And I'm not sure I like it, but that doesn't really matter. The industry will do what the industry does. But certainly there's a lot of people going, ooh, what if we could disrupt X by doing Y? You know, the Uber of this, the uh, just eat of that 
you know, it's it's always just we'll take what worked in food or uh, hairdressing or cars and apply it to something that hereunto has never been uh, disrupted in any meaningful way. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, in some ways some of what happens I think is really encouraging and it's innovative and it's clever. Mm. Um, and in other ways, it's very, very basic and very, very simple and ultimately very, very harmful. So, um, you know, when, when people got you know very much into Uber and Uber is this and Uber is changing the world and it, look, what Uber is doing is getting people to act as taxi drivers for a lot less money than taxi drivers do. That uh, that's ultimately what happens, and so yeah. the disruption of the market is that those parties who dare I say it are professional, and I appreciate that this <laughs> your mileage may vary depending on where you live and your experience with with taxis are replaced by hopefully willing and cheerful amateurs, but they are ultimately amateurs. They haven't had the knowledge, which is the training you'd have if you were a London cabbie. Or, uh, they, as far as I know, they don't need to have any training. Um, and they're not, yeah. I don't think, particularly well vetted. Um, and all of these sort of downsides are made up for the fact that, you know, they will work for you know five dib dabs an hour, whereas a, a normal taxi driver will work for ten dib dabs an hour. <laughs> So it's not so yeah. much as disruption, it's just slave labour, if you don't mind me putting it that way. You know, it's like, say... Well, it is an interesting... It's a very interesting... Like, the idea that I would hire a plumber if we have a leak is is a fairly rudimentary leap hmm. on my part. You know, it's not it's not rocket surgery to go, there is a leak in the shower. I don't know how to fix it. Who could help me? Um, Good old rocket if, surgery. If you apply exactly the same logic... <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that. Um, the the if you had said to me the exact same Uber logic and gone, whoa, 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 you could hire a plumber, or you can use this really snazzy app, and there's ten blokes who don't know anything about plumbing, but have a wrench, and they can come to your house for ten pounds and have a go. Yeah, but uh, you know, like, uh, you, you do see how a guy with a wrench might get himself onto the app. Because I'm assuming that the app isn't, you know, sending out uh, expert plumbers to go and interview. And so the guy... <laughs> no, and, that, and that's where the, the feedback sure. comes in. Yeah, no, no, I understand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticising the, <laughs> the app. But <laughs> I can see how it can be used for good and I can see how it can be used for ill. Because you can have, you know, someone who's, you know, possibly very, very capable and knows what he's doing... Um, but isn't necessarily the real deal. And that's absolutely fine yes, if, so there's if a, you know that's what you're getting. But most mm, people... It's the disingenuous yeah, element. You know, if there's water going from one of your upstairs rooms to one of your downstairs rooms, most people that I know are prepared to pay a premium for the real deal rather than, uh, yeah, I've got gaffer tape uh, and... Have gaffer tape, yeah, we'll travel. Gaffer tape and a ladder. So, <laughs> you know, th th again, I was talking at great length earlier about Airbnb and and the downside of, of that and what it can do. Um, particularly, you know, like, yeah, I live in Cyprus, so Cyprus depends very much on, on tourism and their 
very concerned about Airbnb and what impact it has. Um, you know, it's much like um, any of these disruptive services where you say, okay, you can have an amateur version of the professional service. So, you know, what, what sort of apartment are you going to walk into? Who's done the electrics? Who's done the plumbing? Was it a guy? Mm. Was it a guy with some gaffer tape and a ladder? Because, you yeah, know, those are the sort of sacrifices that are being made. One assumes that you know hotels have to go through fairly stringent tests and checks, and um, and perhaps Airbnbs. I'm not picking on that company particularly. I've never used them, um, and I I certainly love the concept. But just when you start digging a bit deeper, you just think, hang on, aren't we doing? Are we just cutting corners here? Yeah, and that's a little bit scary. Whereas, uh, yeah, I'm I'm the opposite of you around software. I'm all for software as a service. I think um, that's far better than the buy it once approach. Because what the risk you run with the buy it once approach is that it just becomes unsupported um, and quickly mm. becomes extinct, um, or even worse, um, yeah. you start using it and realize that it's Microsoft. Um, you know it's there's the stuff that I mean I remember the last few years of my sort of corporate life buying the the office suite as an individual for for my home computer that was an astonishing amount of money I was like 250 pounds 300 pounds something like that Um, and you know, it was about that time that I started exploring Macs and the world of software and going, oh, top 10 word processors, nothing here says Microsoft in it. And, you know, the, the abuse of market position, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm all for that because things like Ulysses, which are subscription apps, I mean, they're not expensive subscription apps, but they're constantly updated and they're constantly innovating and getting better. Um, because they're making money out of it, so you know I understand. I understand yeah. the logic. Whereas, part of, I don't know. Like I get, I get the I get the business model, and I get the the reasons why it's beneficial, and the, that whole thing about updates and all that is great, and that is a reason absolutely to do that. I think the one that gets me at the minute, the one that I point at and go, "This is not necessarily working," is Adobe launched an app not that long ago called Adobe Fresco for the mm-hmm. iPad which is um, if you've ever used, there's, a, there's an app called Procreate. If you've ever used Procreate on the iPad, it's a drawing app. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, I think, like 10 or 15 pounds to buy, and that's it. That you, Now you own it. Um, whereas Adobe Fresco is something like 15 pounds a month, 10 pounds a month, um, which is substantially more. And, and I get there are reasons to do that. There are reasons for updates and things like that. And I, and I think that largely that's fine but when you compare them side by side sometimes it's hard to say do you want to pay the exact same amount every month or do you want to pay it once and have the thing and yes maybe sometime down the line it won't work anymore but when it does work it's gonna be great adobe fresco where'd you lose me those very words (laughs) okay so yeah adobe fresco is an app by Adobe, shockingly. And it's kind of a contender to Procreate, which is the other drawing app mm-hmm. on the iPad. Um, now, 
Procreate, I think, is 10 or 15 pounds on the iPad, one-time purchase, whereas Adobe Fresco is 10 pounds a month to buy it. Um, Now, there are all kinds of reasons why a monthly subscription is a better option, why it's more sustainable, why it might work better. You might get more updates. You might blah, 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 blah. But if I look at it as a purely financial thing, I'm looking at Procreate, which is a fantastic app, and I use it all the time, and I really enjoy using it. I'm like, do I want to pay for a Procreate per month to use largely the same things? It's got a few funky features. It's got a few different stuff on it. And I, I'm well ingrained in the Adobe ecosystem. I use it all the time. And I'm thinking, do I want to spend, do I want to buy this app every month? That's effectively what we're talking about versus buy it once and use it for however long it is. Now, yes, maybe the company will stop making it. Maybe they'll stop giving updates. Maybe my iPad will update to a point where I can't use it anymore. There's all kinds of stuff. But that's equally true of Adobe Fresco. I mean, there have been many, many services where they launch it to big sort of applause and say, look how great this thing is. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. It's going to be a big part of your life. And then six months down the line, they go, actually, it's not really working for us. So we're just going to pull the plug. Yeah. And all of a sudden, no, I mean, I agree with I'm going to hit auto edit. Bang. <laughs> great. Uh, no, there yeah. are. So how much I, of that is actually? Well, yeah, there, there are a thousand apps that can do that. Probably, you know, ranging from free to, you know, 10 bucks. Very expensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Adobe uh, Creative Cloud for a year, I don't know what it is, $500 or something. Um, you know, I mean, it's a. Yeah, no, I know. It's a chunk of change. So I'm fairly certain that I'll go. I don't have a problem with that, but I don't have an understanding of where Adobe sits in the world. So to me, I look at it and go, okay, if I was a pro photographer, videographer, uh, somebody who does stuff with pictures in it, I could, you know, <laughs> maybe this would be worth something for me. But yeah, you know, to, to do a couple of quick edits because I want my social media picture to look better or, or I want my photo or my blog post not to take up all the memory of the of the hosting and all that stuff then i don't i, I don't need it you know it's just beyond my yeah. needs and there's plenty of stuff out there that is within it but for me it's been a fantastic learning curve to look at how uh how editing photo editing and stuff works just cause mm. you know i'm interested in that as a sort of academic thing rather than anything else but i think it depends where you sit you know what what you're using something for and how much use you're getting out of it. I mean, I write pretty much everything in Ulysses. So if I'm writing um, a proposal for a client in the jobby job, if I'm writing uh, a short story, if I'm writing part of the novel, if I'm writing a blog post, um, that will be in Ulysses. So I'm getting daily use, quite extensive daily use. Uh, And I, I love the the whole sort of ethos behind the software. So I'm I'm delighted to pay pay something monthly for that. But I could equally, you know, take uh in whatever you call this, you know, the free source open office um would yeah. do the same. There's plenty of word processing things out there that would cost me not very much. Google's probably cheaper. God, I've said the word out loud again. Um <laughs> but you know, it, it's just there's something nice that I'm prepared to pay for. But as you say, it's it's not at that sort of elevated level. Uh, and there are also things, have you have you come across Setup? I've heard of it. That's the one where you get all your apps for one fee on, on the Mac. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can have, I mean, Ulysses is, is part of it. 
um, is one reason that it springs to mind. But it, uh, there are several apps that I subscribe to that are part of Setup, uh, and you know hundreds more besides. That I know, you know, several people have come to me and said, "Let you know for for what they do, it's brilliant value. It's much much cheaper than paying yeah. these individual subscriptions." Uh, and you have, you know, all of that extra sort of functionality available to you should you need it. The the danger for me, of course, would be I would just disappear down a dark hole of exploring all these apps. <laughs> Six months later, Stu emerges bearded yeah. and weary. <laughs> exactly. I now know how to do this, but I don't ever yes, need to do it. At what cost? <laughs> but I just know how to do it. So I just want to jump back to something. You mentioned um, the sort of disingenuous stuff about these services mm. and one thing that sprung to mind, and I didn't want to stop you mid-flow, but it's a really interesting one. There's a whole slew of videos. It's maybe even a little subgenre of people who use Deliveroo, which is like a food delivery service. Mm-hmm. Um, they set themselves up in Deliveroo and deliver microwave meals. Okay. So they, they basically set up as a restaurant. They say, hello, we make lasagna. We are a lasagna mart or whatever it might be called. Uh, and then they basically just buy 100 Asda lasagnas, throw them in a microwave, and then put them in a bag and take them to someone on demand whenever they've ordered one. And the people don't necessarily know that, but they're paying as if it's a restaurant. And it ties in. There was another story I read about uh, like these dark restaurants that are on you know Just Eat or Deliveroo or these other food delivery services. Uber Eats, I think, is another one mm-hmm. where it, it's not a restaurant. It's not a takeaway. It doesn't exist. It's a commercial kitchen on an industrial estate somewhere. And someone rolls up to the side door and he opens up and hands you two brown bags and you drive off and, you know, um, you know, uh, Aunt Annie's Country Kitchen burgers or whatever you've ordered sure. comes to your door. But in, in reality, it was mass produced in a, a warehouse in Swindon. Yep. And that's, you know, that's where the, the darker side of this is, is coming through, where it's like, is that really what you want? Like, is that what you expect? Is that what you think you're getting? And that disingenuousness i think is the alarming part for me where it's like okay if you want microwave lasagna delivered to your house fine do it if you think you're getting you know well crafted carefully made gluten-free delicious wonderful homemade lasagna and you get that that i'm not okay with that you know it's the the disparity and i think that these these apps basically make it easier for that disparity to be uh, automated essentially you can go well we could just churn this out 500 an hour yeah exactly i mean it, it, i say i think disruption is is a great thing and mm. you know automation and technology coming into various and things are just disru- that that's all good but you have to sort of look at the emperor's new clothes and just <laughs> just make sure that it's not actually <laughs> just the same service at a lower price or you know, an impersonation of a service, as you say. Yeah, so, well, an impersonation of a service is a very good way to put it. It's like, this is like taxis, but without the things that make taxi drivers taxi drivers, yeah. like accreditation and training and experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, oh, you know, this is takeaway food, except it's not. It's it's about heating up a, a, a supermarket <laughs> ready meal. <laughs> you know, I dare say there is a market for people you know, who just want some some Tesco's lasagna delivered to their door. Okay, fine. Well, I know I know personal anecdotes. People have told me that they've used, and I don't I don't live in in a big enough city 
to get any of these Uber Eats or anything. We have a few that might deliver out here, but none of the like the main city ones. And so there's people that live in town in Belfast, and they'll go, I so rang the guy from Just Eat, or the, the, the app or whatever, Deliveroo, and you get an app where you can contact the, the rider or the driver, and they've said, look, I'm absolutely hanging here. I've been out yesterday. I'm dying. You're bringing me a Big Mac and chips. I know you can't actually do it, but would you ever nip in and get me a pack of paracetamol? And I'll give you an extra fiver as a tip. And that works. You know, there are, there are drivers who will go, I ain't no problem. Nip into Tesco and get you this, that, and the other, which isn't part of the, the delivery remit, uh, but bring it to your house and then bring it into your house and deliver it to your room. Again, well, not, not quite on this spectrum, but it, you know, that's where you're kind of going beyond the service. But again, um, I, I, it's perhaps me. I was just stupid at school. But I remember learning from uh, from my friend who lives in Dublin. Uh, he lives in, in Malahide. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> all the kids up there, that's how they get their beer. So, so they, <laughs> yeah. they, they phone a taxi service. And they say to the taxi driver, um, because apparently the taxis in Ireland have been doing this for a long time, is can you go and get me you know, four, four packs of... Uh, Guinness uh, and deliver it to so-and-so address because I can't drive because I've had a drink uh, and the taxi drivers will do it and of course you know once they arrive with the four cans that they've paid for <laughs> and a 14 year old answers the door I suppose they think well if I refuse to give it to them then I, I don't get the money <laughs> and so <laughs> I, you know, this sort of thing has been going on for so long that, that I thought it was genius I just stood there open mouthed thinking <laughs> just of, a slow clap. Just yeah, just of all of the times that I've stood around outside off licenses <laughs> with a couple of my mates sort of trying to G each other up. Go on, you go. No, you go. Look, you've 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 got you've got a hair coming out your chin. Go on, you go, you go. <laughs> and you're going in there and putting on your gruff voice. I'd like four cans of Guinness, please. Of the beer. One beer, please. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy behind the counter going, why are you speaking so weird? Um, <laughs> I know you're 12, here you are. Um, <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> exactly. You know, profit is profit, my friend. Greed is good. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I do love the idea of, of these things, of you know automation just making everything mm. easier. So uh, I bank now with um, you know, something that only exists on mobile. No, they don't have any branches. No, yeah, they don't have a website. It's just a mobile app. Um, and you know, sometimes I sit there because in the day job I'm a compliance guy, so I sit there going, "Wow, what what would happen if it just stopped working?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, who, who, Bye. Who would, yeah, who would I speak? To? I mean, what would I do? You know, the missing app. crypto king. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I must update <laughs> you on that. The final episode came out. Okay. And so they go through the whole um, sort of, you know, what they've learned so far. And uh, every week they give a disclaimer, sort of, you know, saying we've put this to um, to the company and they've responded as follows. And it's the same response um, uh, because they obviously don't want to be accused of, of being non-balanced or unfair. And then they're bringing up the, the show and the series to an end. They were in Africa um, just demonstrating how many Ugandans had, uh, had been taken in by this and... Yeah, I mean, tragic, given, given, you know, sold the goats, 
to get the money to buy the package to so mm. you know potentially put themselves to death because they were imminently going to become millionaires through this thing uh and you know i mean i'm sitting there i suppose you know as intended white middle class boy just getting terribly righteous and en- enraged about the whole thing and it's all coming to to a very sort of closed off bbc end and then he says and then we got a phone call and they use an actor's voice to explain you saw her you were in a room with her you were so close to her you were right with frankfurt keep digging keep digging go back to frankfurt and this was from a trust that they described as someone that they trust from from the source they trust and so new episode coming next week now i don't know if this is the bbc just suddenly getting all of their drama team involved in making podcasts (laughs) or whether it sounds like there's a wee bit of real life intrigue and then they're amping it up because that is good like that is almost too good yeah i mean that was my thought afterwards was that was I mean, I'm absolutely on the edge of my seat. Um, <laughs> particularly as it, you know, it appears to be almost in real time. Wow. Yeah, which is unusual. You know, even yeah. for podcasts, it's, it's quite a yeah. feat, as we both know, to get them out, you know, in a timely manner. Yeah, and you just think, well, wow, I mean, where's this going to go next? They're just extraordinary, extraordinary. But yeah, Tinder for plumbers. I, I think it's a great idea. Um, I, what, what I love about our particular contract at the moment is, is Moldovan. And uh, as people will know, I spent quite a lot of time in Central Europe. And I love Central European approach to health and safety, uh, which is they have no interest in health and safety, no knowledge of health and safety. Um, I, I once said to a guy, are you not worried you're going to lose your finger? He said, I've got 10. Um <laughs> <laughs> and redundancy um, my friend <laughs> and i watched i watched uh yanni uh with after he discovered the bolt issue um with the the runway lights uh i said oh wow so what are we gonna do are you just gonna move it around and make new holes he said, no 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 we we cut the bolt we do what we cut the bolt I'm thinking that's gonna take you a while with a hacksaw paint blimey look at the size of it and so he gets an angle, right? <laughs> and he's got this little two-inch bolt firmly between his finger and his thumb. And in, <laughs> in the other hand, he's got the grinder. And and he's he's uh, he's got a full-time job during the day, so he's doing all this stuff for us at night. See this wonderful light show of sparks flying off, the dogs <laughs> run for cover. He's literally squatting. On his, on the balls of his feet, with this little, <laughs> little bolt, which you know, he was, he was, it was a two-inch bolt. He's cutting an inch off, so he's got a whole inch to hold on to, and just there with this grinding. <laughs> and then he picked up the bit that he cut off and burns himself. <laughs> it's just like, okay, now it's good. <laughs> It's a very non-plus, nonchalant approach. Yeah, and I'm standing there thinking, oh, buddy, if you ever go to seek your seek your fortune in, in the UK, you'll last about four minutes on a building site. Off, out. <laughs> you're, a, you're a liability. Um, you're a hazard to yourself and others. 
And, you know, today when he's doing the lights, I said, do you want to turn the electrics off? No, 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 it's okay. But, <laughs> you sure? No, no, it's fine, it's okay. I stand there just just by hand on because I know that that a lot of the stuff here is. Let's just say I'm not terribly confident in the quality of some of the previous work done. Um, but it's brilliant. It's fantastic. You know, uh, and I was marvel possibly because I'm so much the opposite of this stuff. So I'm not competent in anything that requires uh, manual dexterity, balance, any of those things. So. You know, watching a guy with sort of one leg on a ladder, one leg sort of hanging in space, one arm behind his back holding a bit of cable, and then using his teeth to unscrew a connector block with it, with his head up in the seat. I just look at all that stuff and go, how could you do that? Um, but they do, and, you know, he seems to have all his fingers. Everything seems to be fine. Hello. Pity the poor fellow editing this. <laughs> I heard most of that. I heard you talking about one arm behind his back, one arm, one leg in space. Uh, yeah, it's um, like I say, it's that sort of easy competence. I mean, it's scary, but um, <laughs> just this utter confidence that everything will be fine. Mm. It's okay. Boom, boom, boom. And you know, I mean, it, it's for me, it's scary because now Margaret is going well. You know, maybe we could do some stuff with the kitchen and all oh, that bathroom. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh oh. Yeah. So you're gonna need Tinder, Tinder for contractors, Tinder for kitchen guys, Tinder for electricians. I I think it's too late for Tinder. I think both Spice is absolutely in love with this guy, and I think my wife is a little bit. <laughs> they both they both follow him around, really. Going, oh, you couldn't just you know do this, do that, do that. Um. I think it's at the extent now that if he's ever a little bit short of work, he'll just phone up. Hello. You got anything? You need anything doing, yeah? And uh, <laughs> I'm fairly certain what I grew up with. Yeah, you couldn't just build me another office, could you? I, I can see it coming. <laughs> just real quick. Yeah. And I dare say, okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It is interesting to see mm. how it's changing. And how it isn't changing. As you say, you get all really digital about the whole thing. And then at the end you go, all right, well, can you come around at six? Yeah. You can't fix my, my plumbing uh, from home. You can't log into my plumbing from home and, and, and diagnose the problem. So we're still stuck with a wee bit of the analog life, you know? Absolutely. Right. Well, I've no idea how long this episode is. It might well be about 20 minutes by the time the edit's done because... <laughs> Uh, for any that Back haven't no, haven't noticed, um, this is our probably fourteenth recording this evening, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and let the record show that all systems are go in Cyprus. I'm convinced this is an Irish problem. <laughs> wow! Okay, there you are. Get gets his retaliation in first. Mm-hmm. Except you're editing, so yeah, I'll make <laughs> you sound real bad. Don't worry. I am sure you will. So. <laughs> I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was a quite sporadic and uh, chopped up episode of 1857.